This is Dana McClendon, and this is Ready for Trial. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Today's guest is Robbie Beal. Uh, Robbie has done just about everything that a lawyer can do in a courtroom and out. Robbie has been a uh, public defender. He's been a prosecutor. He has been a juvenile court referee. He's been a circuit court judge and chancellor, uh, a mediator, and a a lawyer in private practice. So, Robbie, maybe more than any guest I've had so far, and maybe more than any guest I'll ever have, he's done pretty much everything you can do as a lawyer. I wanted to get Robbie on to talk about these things. He has an extensive mediation practice. Uh, Those of us that practice, particularly in domestic relations law in Middle Tennessee, particularly in Franklin, uh, use Robbie as a mediator all the time. He's really good at it. So we talk about his mediation practice and what it takes to to have a successful mediation, um, mediation in the age of COVID. Uh, we also talk, some, tell some some old war stories, you know, some funny stuff that's happened when we used to practice together and that kind of thing. So um, I, we had a good time. I hope you have a good time listening. Sorry, you were recording me and now you turned it off again. No, I didn't. Oh. Oh, you're you're recording me now. Yes. So, oh my God. Uh, th- I'm sitting down today with my friend and former colleague Robbie Beal. Um, th- this one's probably going to be a little different than the others if you've listened to any of the others. But that's only because Robbie and I have been friends for what twenty twenty something years now. It seems longer. It's, it does. <laughs> seems longer. <laughs> it does. Okay. Uh, see how it's going to go. All right. Uh, so, Robbie, you let's go. Let's just. I like to introduce people first. Um, you have been a uh, prosecutor. I have. You have been a juvenile court magistrate. I have. You have been a circuit court chancellor, uh, circuit court and chancery court judge. Correct. Um, in between those times, you have been in private practice. That's right. So it turns out you just can't keep a job. <laughs> that is exactly true. One day, <laughs> I, I've tried everything except court reporter, and I think that's probably next. That's where you get. You forgot it. that my first job out of law school was as a public assistant public defender. Okay, I was that's thinking I maybe I was thinking I, I wasn't sure about that. I yeah. I knew the others to be true. Yeah. So basically, you've been you've been hired and fired at every role in it, a courtroom at a at a generic state courthouse. That's exactly right. Bailiff and court reporter. That's those are my la- those are my last two options really. When this falls through, when this, this goes south practice, again, I'm going to have to either learn how to type really fast or say hear ye hear ye. One of the two. Uh, yeah, make sure everybody stands up. That's right. Okay. That's right. Uh, so, of uh, you started out and you've been practicing since what? 91. All right. So you start out as a public defender. I did. That's a tough job. Uh, yeah, but it was great. Uh, Where'd you do that? Over in uh, Dixon, uh, Dixon County, Humphreys County. So I started Houston Stewart. So it was the rural counties, and uh, that was my first job out of law school. And I mean, you were right into the fray. It was yeah, it was that's pretty. That, it was that's, pretty great. That's from boot camp to the front lines, real quick. Yeah, I, I was trying my first. I tried a, a murder case within a first year. I tried uh, my. F- I've tried my first DUI jury trial within about three months and a rape trial within about six. So, I mean, it was... Learn quick. Learn quick. Yeah. And then um, leave that, go into private practice for a bit? No. Just uh, went straight to the DA's office? Went, went straight to the DA's office, went to Williamson County and was uh, assistant DA for... Now, who, was the, who were the DA's that you were with back then? Oh, it was... Uh, uh, Joe Ball was my boss. Um uh, Ron Davis was the one that actually right, kind okay. of brought me in. Um, 
Mark Pereer, uh, Robert Hassel. Yeah, it was good. Derek same, Smith. All the same rats around the courthouse today. All the same. Well, Except for Ron a couple and, exceptions. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah but uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Was and, Sharon there then? So, no, she came in um, while I was there, okay. and uh, and that's where I got to know Sharon. She took. Uh, I left probably just six months. We're talking after about. She oh, we're talking about juvenile oh, court sorry. judge Sharon yeah. Guffey. That's my yeah. Fault. Um, yeah, please do a little better. If I'm you trying. Um, yeah, she came in about six months before I left. She and I got to know each other real well. And then when I was a magistrate and we were looking for a child support magistrate, um, she was interested and we brought her into juvenile court. And, of course, she's the big-time judge there now. So. Right. So you so you leave from the DA's office. Do you go into private practice then? I do. And that's uh, with well, Ernie. Was that with Ernie? That was with Ernie. But... Um, Back then, the juvenile magistrate position was part time. So I, I got the I got the magistrate's position part time, and I went with Ernie, supposedly part time. There's no such thing, but right. supposedly part time. And that's Ernie. where you and I met, and that was about well, I I started working with Ernie in like '98. Right. So right. that's where you and I met. That's when my career really started to go down. <laughs> that's where the I was on a, I was on an upward trajectory right. until I met you. You were taking you were yeah, and then, and I ru- I ruined it for you. Yeah. Um, all right, so while you were practicing with Ernie, while we were practicing with Ernie, you were part-time juvenile um, right. magistrate. Referee back then. Referee. Do you, do you remember what I told you? No. What did you tell that, that you were unqualified for the position as you did not yet have a child. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. I, do I just think that. if you're going to pass judgment on someone else's <laughs> child or their parenting, you, you might be better off if you first had your own child disobey and disappoint you. I think, uh, I think you... Uh, you you were missing that my maturity level was that <laughs> of right. a child. You, 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 yeah. So I was really able to. All right. Well, by that metric, you're still eminently qualified. <laughs> I may return. Who okay. knows? <laughs> so you're a juvenile magistrate, referee for a while. Uh, and the general sessions judges, Lonnie and Al, were the, they would rotate in and out of there. Right. They were the juvenile judges. And then I heard, well, at first I heard the child support and kind of the misdemeanors and the unrulies and a few of the easy custody things. And then by the end, uh, pretty much everything. And then, so Sharon Guffey comes out there as child support referee. That's right. And then eventually the judges name her juvenile judge. Is that right? Well, she got appointed, but right. She got appointed. Right. Okay. And she's been that ever since. Yes, sir. All right. And then, of course, she lost that job. And had to go back into that's right. private practice. That's right. Got canned. No, I didn't go private practice. I went straight into the circuit court judge. Oh, that's right. Position. I, okay. Yeah. All right. So, so you, 2006. So you you ran and won that job, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and were ju- and were judge, and um, not pandering, but one of my favorite judges. Oh, well, always a good time in court. Well, <laughs> if you're pandering, you're doing a lousy job at it because you only pander to when the judge is actually in yeah, the yeah. office. Well, I, yeah. I'm, it's too late so, now, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I can't do a thing for you. Uh, no, I used to have a good time telling clients how the trial was going to go with you being the judge. <laughs> I, know what you, I know what you're going for, the whole, what what'd you call it, the, I, the wraparound judgment or whatever. Where, no, uh, I would tell people, they would be like, you think he'll let us put that in? I'd be like... Robbie will let me put my necktie into evidence if I ask. <laughs> Not because we're friends, but because he just, you know, 
It's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. I, I, I let the lawyers try their cases. That's right. But you used to get on to me all the time about if I started talking good about your client. Oh, you're done. <laughs> you were done. <laughs> and I, told, I would also tell people about your tell. When if you said, you know, then probably things were going to go south after that. And anytime you started telling anybody how good their lawyer was, oh yeah, you're yeah. going to jail. Yeah, yeah, was, you're going to jail. Night. You're losing custody. What something bad is a, it was a bad. That's like, oh boy, now what? <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I like to build people up before I take them out at the. Base, it's always nice so, to have yeah. judges tell your client what a great lawyer you've been. Um, but I sometimes wonder if clients don't realize that they say that all the time, right? Like it's, I hope not, but I, I will tell you, I mean, part of, and, and we've gotten away from it a little bit, but I always thought part of being a judge, I was a lawyer first and then became a judge. And you want to try to protect your bar members a little bit. I mean, you well, that's probably to, a good idea unless they get way out of line, in which case well, right. you should, you know, hang them out. But, um, well, yeah. I mean, there's always those cases, but if, if a lawyer's doing a competent job, you want to make sure their clients understand that. Yeah. yeah. So out of these jobs, which one do you think you like the most? So you were in private, you, you left the bench and went into private practice, back into private practice. Right. So out of all these different jobs, which one do you think you is your favorite? Love being a juvenile magistrate. It was, it was great. Now I will say I had done it long enough. I did it for seven years and it was starting to get, it was starting to get, um, routine and you're starting to lose a little bit of the compassion level. Right. But well, uh, the, the 400th time you have parents yeah. come in and say, yeah, but what about my child's constitutional rights? And you have to look at them and go, yeah, but what about your child's drug problem? Uh, uh, nail on the head. <laughs> I mean, I was big. <laughs> I know this will come as a shock to you. I was big on drug testing. I, I, I like to drug test. If they came in on a shoplifting charge, um, I'd send them back for a drug test, and I, I can't, I can't give you a number of how many parents would look at me and say, "That's ridiculous." What right do you have to drug test my child? And I'm yeah. like, you should want to know, right? Why? Are, is, right? Like, okay, um, that's a clue. Yeah. It's, yeah. And how many? I mean, I've lost count of the number of times that a parent has vouched for their child's sobriety, or oh, yeah. or you know, um, virtue, yeah. and and then. We find out, well, mom and dad got hoodwinked. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. But I love that job because um, you really did feel like you were doing you were doing some good. I mean, you, you know, m- the vast majority of the kids that would come in front of you, that was their one time. They were scared to death. They left and never came back. You, so You course corrected them. Well, you know, maybe that's my ego, but at least you didn't see them again. So you, at least you felt like you were doing. Well, the point of a juvenile judge is to never, is to like redirect them back onto the path. We wanted to make it an unfriendly environment generally. And I know, I know that times have changed and you're, we're supposed to be a little bit more touchy feely, but back then it was, Mm. it was a little different. This is why I'm not a juvenile judge. That's (laughs) one of many reasons. Can I tell a story? Please. That's why we're here. Well, that's what what I figured. You know, I only have like three, so I've tried to, I've tried to work you and I have way more than that. (laughs) Um, uh, I was sitting in my office right behind the, the courtroom, and when I would sentence, you know, a kid to detention, we'd make them work. 
And one of the things, they would clean the baseboards of the courthouse with a toothbrush. Yeah, something unpleasant. Uh, something unpleasant. And they, my door was shut, and they were outside my office. They had no idea it was my office. And I heard one of them. I'm sitting there. I heard one of them say, uh, who'd you have as a judge? And, and the guy goes, Bill. And the other one goes, I bet that man's never smiled a day in his life. <laughs> and I mean, it, was, it was great because right. I mean, juvenile court, you've got the youth service officers, you've got right. the CASA workers, you've got DCS, you've got, right. you've got all these people. And all we would do is we'd go back in the back and just laugh Cut our up. asses off about, oh, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Yeah, oh, you can say this a podcast. I mean, it would just, you know. But I bet he never smiled a day in his life. I You're thought like, that was great. Did that right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, what did you think about being a circuit court judge or a chancellor with handling? Because in our jurisdiction, that meant that you, on one day, might sit in a criminal trial and on another day might handle a nasty divorce and on another day might handle a, a tragic, say, car wreck or something. It was it was a good gig. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was different. I mean, it was a lot more. Um, it was a lot more pressure and a lot more cerebral, and yeah. a lot more politics. Quite frankly, yeah, that, I think that's the part that I wouldn't like. Um, yeah. And running up and down the trace at the time, you had to ride circuit. Now that I didn't mind. Uh, I always enjoyed Hickman, Lewis, and Perry. I would, I would happily go to those counties uh, rather than Williamson generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that's ooh, maybe I shouldn't say that. People, well, no, you're done with that me. gig. Yeah, I am, but. Um, uh, I loved going to the smaller counties, but that's kind of where, again, that's where I cut my teeth. So I was used to that a right. little bit more. So, so um, I'm always curious, and I think it's difficult to ask a sitting judge this, but I'm always curious about that when one transitions from one of us, because nearly every judge comes up in the courthouse where they become judge. It's not, it's not always the case, but it's most of the time the case. So the judges, so you go from peer to judge in a fairly short period of time. You know, I mean, like you, you, if, if you get elected, you go out, you campaign. So people have warning that it could happen. But then one day you show up and they throw a robe on you and you take the bench and you're not a peer anymore. You're now the judge. What's the transition like when people that you know didn't want you to be the judge oh. or or suddenly you have all these new friends. You know? <laughs> I never told a story that wasn't hilarious. I never right. told a joke yeah. that wasn't just right. funny as could be. Right. I really miss that more about being a judge than anything else. That um, I don't know the transition. I for some, I never did that for you. You never did. You never. Well, you have no sense of humor. But um, uh, I don't know. I don't. I didn't really think of it too much as a transition. I mean, I'll tell you, it's an ego hit. I mean, when you when you first walk on the bench for the first 30 times and everybody stands up and you just got, you know, 15,000 votes, it's a it's kind of a nice feeling. I mean, right. I'm not going I'm not going to lie to you and I think I think uh I think a lot of people take that nice feeling and and blow it a little out of proportion. But after a while, it's it's just a job. I mean, it's and and the lawyers, I mean, you could see the lawyers come in front of you that that uh, had more experience, uh, knew that aspect of the law better, certainly knew the facts of the case better. And and if you deluded yourself into thinking that you were that sm- wasn't going to happen. Or you were the smartest one in the room all the time. That, that's, that's trouble. I think I'd be a terrible judge. Well, I mean, I think doesn't. I'd get the results right. 
I just think people would find the experience of me being a judge intolerable. I don't know. I mean, I, I would really, be impatient and well, I would call people out and I would be like, counselor, I'm going to take a 10 minute break. And when I get back, I want your best witness on the stand because this one's not it. The, okay. Yeah, maybe you could soften that a little bit. They'd have to send me bit. to judge school like you, twice. You could soften maybe that three just times. a little bit. But no, patience was a biggie. I mean, you had to, you had to be... You had to be patient. But as far as calling people out, I mean, you could do that. Um, I certainly did with, with litigants. I, I tried not to do it with lawyers, but I do it with litigants, you know. So. Yeah, I just, they, at this point, I've been, we've been doing this a long time. At this point, for a, there are certain things that I just hope every judge has. Let my client feel like they got their day in court. If I've brought them there for their day in court, please let them have it. Yeah. Agreed. And I don't mean allocate eight hours for something that Agreed. should take 30 minutes. But but please don't tell us that you don't want to hear any testimony and that you're going to rule on this custody case um, after 10 minutes of, of event. 100% behind you, Lynn. Um And then uh, just, be, just be consistent. If you're going to be difficult and, and gnarly, all, you know, be that every day. And then I'll know. Uh, yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, uh, the law practice is hard. I mean, it's not it, something easy. And I think the single most important thing I would, if any judge ever listens to this, I, I'm just going to tell you, here's what all of us want. We want you to never forget how hard it is to do what there we do. Go. And I'm not saying the judge's job is easy. That's for sure not an easy job. And it's being made more difficult all the time. They are having more and more and more work heaped upon them. Every and day. in fact, they're having more and more work heaped upon them that has been reallocated involuntarily from us. Judges now can't just say, submit your orders, submit your findings of fact and whatnot. That's right. So the workload for the judges has just exploded. That's and, right. and I don't, I don't envy that. But please don't forget what it was like when you were just sitting around hoping that someone would call you and bring you $2,500 and that that's all you were going to get to run this case. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, you can't turn every case into a $20,000 fee or, or burden. Preaching they, to the choir. They don't yeah. have it. And it, it's true. And more than, more than that, you're right. Being a judge was not an easy job. Uh, it's not laying asphalt, but it's not. It wasn't an easy job, and there was some stress to it. But the, but the stress of preparing and walking into a courtroom to try a case as a lawyer versus the stress of preparing to walk into a court try a case as a judge is uh, is huge. I mean, the, there's no stress on the judge. I mean, he has to read the file, he has to get ready. But, but he's not sitting next to someone who's that's counting exactly on them. That's exactly right. And, and who's vested in some... Because obviously, you know, a lot of times we're sitting next to someone as a trial lawyer. We're sitting next to someone who has arrived, despite our best efforts, with a preconceived idea of what the only just outcome is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's a difficult it. thing. To, I mean, you're trying... When you're the trial lawyer, you're trying to manage your client, the other lawyer, and the judge, and all the other circumstances. That's right. You're trying to please all these different masters, or at least manage them. When you're the judge, it seems like you just got to keep two lawyers from going off the rails. And you're you're so above the fray. I mean, you're not involved in the emotional aspect. You're not having to deal with the emotions of a client. You're just up there listening, and then at some point pontificating. And uh, and that's the, there's no stress to that. I mean, so as a as someone who sat on the bench for eight years as a 
trial judge and more than that as a juvenile judge. So you, what, 15 years 15, on the yeah. bench in one way or another. Um, what do you wish, what do you, what do you think from that perspective, what do you think lawyers generally should try to do better? Oh, geez. My only, my only issue, I think, as far as, as far as what lawyers should try to do better is um, do the best they can to behave uh, as civilly as they can to the opposing party in, in court. Um, you know, I, I never mind, God knows, I never mind theatrics. I never mind putting on a show for your client. That's fine. But at the end of the day, um, if you're just putting on a show for the other attorney or for the judge, they've all seen it, and there's right. no need. There's no need for it. I right. mean, uh, so, so that I think is I think is 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 hugely hugely important. And quite frankly, it's the it's the pretrial stuff that I think is more has changed more in my two terms of private practice. You know, um, I, I've never seen. Uh, People resort so much to discovery uh, and motions. And motions. And we need the 2014 credit cards from Toys R Us. Right. And page three is missing. And and page three is missing. And lawyers write letters at $300 an hour to tell you this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What are you really, I mean, like, what are you doing here? Just tell me what you want. Okay, so I'll just be, uh, I'm going to just peel this back. Uh, I am convinced that there are lawyers that I practice opposite, not many, but some, that collect a, a significant fee up front. And I'm talking about, it, say, in a divorce case. They collect a significant fee up front, and they're going to burn it no matter what. If well, I went to them with, a, with, a, with a, a completely reasonable, fully informed offer that deserves a response, we're not going to get a substantive response or meaningful traction towards a settlement until whatever their retainer is has been thoroughly consumed. We know by we, whatever means they need. We all know who those lawyers are. If you practice here, you know who those lawyers are. The one thing everybody should quickly realize is that the judges know who those lawyers are. <laughs> I mean, you know, the judges aren't stupid. They know who's who's coming into court for what purpose generally. Yeah. Um, you know, so you see the same thing again and again. You can't again it's not again. a mistake. I say that if you give me one data point, okay, fine, I know something. If you give me two, I can draw a line, but I don't really know what that means. If you give me three, I can connect the dots, and, and now I maybe have some confidence. But if you start putting six or eight data points up there, that's a pattern. Yeah. And yeah. I can see a pattern, and yeah. I can predict things with reasonable accuracy with a pattern. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you're seeing the same lawyer in court over and over and over and over again, well, when the same lawyer shows up with nine motions, all of which are nickel and diming yeah. things, nine motions on the same docket, if you're, I'm just going to say it, if you're a client and you're there with your lawyer and eight other of their clients, you that's might want to you might want to scratch your head and wonder how that happened. Yeah, that's a red flag. And I mean, every lawyer, I mean, part of our job is to walk into court and fight and fight for. Our I clients. wouldn't do it if we if I didn't get to do that, I wouldn't do this. Job. I agree. If all I did was <coughs> if all Sorry, I did was did sit in my room? office and make phone calls and deal with emails, oh, yeah, I wouldn't do it. I agree. I have 100%. to be allowed to stand up on my hind legs and speak once in a while. Um, I'm with you 100. percent I mean, that's kind of the fun part of the job. But on the same token, um, you really shouldn't be gracing the 
the courthouse every time the door is open. Yeah, I, and, and mm. I tell clients, I think the other thing that I would criticize some lawyers for, not many maybe, but you tell me what you think about this. Um, I, I think on the spectrum of lawyers who are willing to tell their client no, I think I fall on the more likely to say no to a client than many. Um, and when they push back on that, I'm like, look, um, you hired me. Um, and part of what you get when you hire me is you get my reputation, such as it is. And that helps you, I hope. Part of my reputation comes from not showing up with bullshit. Mm-hmm. And if, so if I walk into a courtroom for a trial or a, or a lengthy motion or something like that, one of two things is true. Either there's a reasonable dispute that reasonable people cannot resolve or the problem is on the other side of the room. That's right. And that's why I'm telling you, no, we're not going to do, we're not going to sit here and get bound up over the 2014 Toys R Us credit card page three. Right. Right. And, and I mean, that's client control is what it amounts to. Yeah, there's, there's precious and little of that being taught. These it days. is. And I, I'll tell you, one, one thing I've noticed on that, shifting from courtroom to just practice, mediation's been a wonderful thing. It's a God gift to to, to yeah, the you do, and you do a lot about. It. I do, do a lot a of lot mediations, of uh, which is really why I'm trying to work it in. No, no uh, mediation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so much. You should have just held up a card. Talk, <laughs> ask me about my mediation practice. I mean, I'm really trying to figure any way to segue. And there it that. is. Thank God. I yeah, just I, wedge I, that I in. I was about to be worn out. Yeah. So, no. Robbie, tell me about your mediation practice. Well, thank you, Dana. Thank you for the question. I appreciate okay, it. That was go. a very insightful question. No, it was a softball for you. Uh, mediation has done wonders for the courthouse, and it's great for lawyers because it does help settle cases. But the downside of mediation is lawyers come in to mediation relying on the mediator to tell their clients the bad news. And I don't mind that because... because but it shouldn't be the first time. It shouldn't be the first time. I don't mind backing up a lawyer and saying, you know, your lawyer's right. I know you don't like hearing it. Right. But... You're I'm not a, going to get this full custody that you keep right. talking I'm about. Right. I'm a lawyer too, and your lawyer's right. Yeah. And, and I think... Uh, I think a lot of times lawyers are using the mediator kind of... To be the, it, I, I, I try to evaluate cases for mediation this way. One, um, I do not agree to go to mediation before it's ready. Because a lot of times in a divorce case, somebody's been caught completely by surprise. Now, maybe they shouldn't have been, but they did not know they were going to be divorced. And suddenly that news has been heaped upon them. They're not emotionally ready to close the deal. Oh, that's a big deal. And if you and if you bring someone to mediation before they're ready to close the deal, you're you're wasting everyone's time and you're actually creating a more volatile problem. That's a big deal. You're so right. So I, you know, people need to get used to the idea, and different people get used to the idea at different speeds. But until they're ready to do what mediation is, which is, frankly, a business transaction sometimes including a custody case. Mm-hmm. So it's more than a business transaction. I don't want to be completely crass about it, but like it's a paperwork deal to conclude a relationship and to set the terms for the next phase of that relationship. That's right. And if they're not emotionally ready to be there and do that and sign that paperwork, don't bring them. And don't let the other lawyer drag them there. And then the other thing I do is I try to tell people the be- as early as I can how bad it could be. So I'm sure that there are plenty of people who called me up thinking, oh, my so-and-so told me to call this guy. He's a good lawyer. Or they looked me up and they thought, oh, this guy looks like a good lawyer. And then they call me and I tell them, yeah, um, 
I don't, I don't really see you, they tell me their facts, and I say, I don't, I don't really see you getting this idea of full custody, whatever that, right. like, much more likely you're going to get a parenting plan that shares parenting time, you know, and you haven't told me anything that makes me think this is a, they get no time, <laughs> or they get only 10 days, or whatever you had in mind. I don't think it's going to be that way. Well, frequently I think those people don't hire me or don't call me back, but um, long before I bring someone to your office for mediation, I've told them, look, if we go to trial, the range of results could be as bad as this. And so if if I bring them here and they need to hear it from someone who is, you know, just giving them an objective look at the case, um, that helps. But it's not the first time they've been told. And, that's, uh, and, and I understand, uh, and I understand better now uh, with the whole private practice thing, um, you're walking a fine line. You walk that fine line of of selling yourself to get the business, right? Versus giving them a realistic expectation because yeah. you do not want a client, you know, that you sell. Hey, I can get you full custody. He won't oh, have that, two and, hours and a yeah, week. I, you know, I know then, that that happens. I know that there are lawyers out there. And again, I'm talking about a small number. Not a not. It's not predominant. But if you're listening to this and you're and you're in the process of selecting a lawyer or you have picked a lawyer. I would just tell you, be cautious of the lawyer who becomes your cheerleader right away um, because you and I have both seen that awkward conversation in the hall uh-huh. where someone clearly didn't tell their client what could happen. Then they took them to court with full of expectations about total victory. It didn't happen, and now they're in the hallway explaining to their client what just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how many clients have you had that have come in for a petition to modify or a petition for contempt or something like that that you don't warn them, okay, when you file this, get ready for the retort. Get right, ready for the on. counter petition. Yes. And I think a lot of people file their little petition never knowing that there's going to be. Right. Oh, you want to talk? You want to go see the judge? Let's yeah. go see the judge. There's going to be a return. Right. And, then, and then they're like, wait, what? You know. Oh, no, I don't. No, you don't. Yeah, no, we're just here to talk about what I want to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, I think that happens too much. I think um, I, I always tell my clients, look, you may not. Uh, you may not like what I'm telling you, but in 28 years now, of, or whatever it is, 27 years, I've never gone to the courthouse with someone who suffered an outcome that I had not warned them could happen. Yeah, and that's a right. Record. So, so yeah. I'm going to tell you. You know, people are like, "Well, what's the worst that could happen?" I'm like, "Strap them on," because I'm going to answer that question as an academic. You know, I'm going to give you the answer to that question. So, you know. Don't think I'm telling you what's going to happen, but you asked a question, what's the worst that could happen? And I'm going to tell you. And quite frankly, I think it helps in the long run. If they know the worst possible outcome right. and their expectations are that this could happen and you exceed that expectation, yeah. well, then you're, you're only building yourself up. I mean, you're, you're only doing, giving yeah. them the impression you're, you're doing better. I mean, from a business side, yeah. it's, it doesn't, there's no harm in doing that. Yeah, I... I I, it doesn't happen much, but every once in a while, a client will ask me, well, whose side are you on? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Whose side yeah. are you You sound like you re- represent her. Yeah. I'm like, well, no. It's not my job to be your cheerleader. Remember, you would, and I use this analogy. You, if, if you went to the doctor and you weren't feeling well, and the doctor came in and said, I'm going to run some tests, I'm going to evaluate, I'm going to gather the facts, and then I'm going to come tell you what's up. If the doctor ran all the facts, ran all the tests, and collected all the evidence, and knew that you had cancer and needed to be receiving some kind of aggressive cancer treatment, 
Would you want the doctor to walk back in and go, I think you're a little sick, but don't worry. Yeah. It's all going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. You would not want that. You would be furious if someone did that. And the hard part is when I have to look at someone and go, you know I'm not doing that to you? I suspect that is what's happening across town at the other lawyer's office. (laughs) And there's nothing we can do about that except try to show them what we think, you know, is maybe going to happen. Exactly. Well, what's the, what's the, um, what's, what's a good day in court look like for Robbie? Oh, a good day in court was, um, walking in, uh, relatively prepared, no, every day in court is going to have a surprise, but no huge surprises and walking away with a, with a satisfied client that a client that, that knows that you did your best, and if you lost, it was because either the facts weren't weren't great, or because the judge may have misinterpreted those facts, or it just didn't go your way. Right. That's that's the good day in court. And a bad day. Um, <laughs> I guess the opposite, isn't it? I right. mean, when you when you walk into court, uh, you think you've got the facts, you think you've got the law, you've got a decent client that you're ready to, you know, you're ready to go to bat for, and just. Uh, Either you don't get your say, or, uh, or, or for some reason, it just goes opposite. I think a bad day in court for me is usually something like this. I've sized up the situation, and I've got a read on it. And my read is informed by days, weeks, or months of, mm-hmm. of evidence gathering. <clears throat> and then I'm in front of a judge for 30 minutes. My client gets on the stand and may not do as good a job as I had hoped, but the judge comes to the conclusion that the case is completely inside out from the way I thought it was and that the bad guy is my guy. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, wait, what? You, yeah. Excuse me, judge. See, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And we've all been there. Right. I mean, we've all had those days. And that's the thing about, that's the thing about being a judge. I mean, at the end of the day. Um, you get a snapshot. Yeah. Judges are human. They make right. first impressions. You get, a, you get a brief, what you just said, a snapshot. And I, you know, I tell clients you and I have the benefit of a movie. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have lived the movie of your life and you have explained the movie of your life. On a great day with a few hours to do it, we're going to be able to show the judge a few snapshots, screen grabs right. from the movie and ask him to fill in the blanks and see the same movie that we did. Right. Meanwhile, someone across the room is going to be painting a completely different picture and trying to convince the judge that the movie is altogether different. But at the end of the day, the judge is only going to have the benefit of a few hours of exposure. And, and going on that same thing, you've, again, we've all had clients where they've been married for 15 years. They have 15 years worth of text messages saying, you know, I can't stand you. You're an ass. You, you know. Yeah, but what about? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, yeah, and they've got the same. And, and trying to distill all that down to some type of uh, little day-long trial for the judge to get a, a, an idea, it's hard. It's, a, yeah. it's, a hard, it's, it's a hard difficult to It's difficult to, to convince people that the thing they think is so super important, the judge is going to be like, okay, got it, understand, yeah. thanks, move on. Yeah. And they want to go, they want to deep dive into this right. email chain that's three years old yeah. That turns the you know for them is this moment where right. this is why I win, uh-huh. and the judges frequently are like, 
I get it. You don't like each other. Right. And you've both said things that you shouldn't have said. Got it. Um, can you please start handing up tax returns and 401 pay exactly. statements? <laughs> well, the other thing about being a judge, I mean, typically, you're kind of seeing kind of the worst of the worst. I mean, if 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 it if was it a, couldn't be settled, yeah, something's wrong. If it wrong. was an easy case, it would have it would have settled, uh, with a few exceptions. Um, you're seeing kind of the worst of the worst, and and you know, you come in with, you know, with with a uh, with kind of just an everyday case, a judge is. A judge just two days ago has heard, you know, where someone got the hell beaten out of them. Right. You know, and it's... Yeah. And do you think it's true? I do, but it, but I'll be interested in your opinion. Do you think it's true that we as lawyers and judges um, tend to tend to take a, a first glance at a case and then slide it into a box of cases we've seen like this? Like... For example, the overprotective mother who can't conceive of letting oh, the children go yeah. with go with dad, or the controlling and hostile husband who micromanages everything and now is losing control, or whatever. Do you think? Do you think? Because I, I think there's about maybe twelve different storylines that most cases fit in, and I use that most of the time to explain to people we're fighting to get you out of this box or to not be mm-hmm. stuck in it. Uh, you know, uh, because once you get stuck in that box, it's hard to recast this whole story. I've never looked at it that way, but you're, uh, but in that just, it's not just a lawyer judge thing. That's kind of human nature. You you kind of pigeonhole people into certain categories. And maybe unfair. Oh, but yeah. but when you have, for example, the the young mom who whose idea of dad's parenting time is um, he can. He can meet me in the park for an hour on yeah. Saturday mm-hmm. with the eight-year-old, and <laughs> she's ne- my child's never been away from me. Right. You're like, yeah, um, that's yeah. We're gonna have to work on that. Yeah. Because um, if you go in there and say that, the 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 other side's just gonna roll their eyes, and the judge is gonna agree that. This, oh yeah. That you're not you. you you do not have a, a rational conception of what's happening. Well, that's that whole speech. Courts are reactive, not proactive, and usually something bad has to happen before you can ever get relief. Yeah, yeah right. You know, because again, we've all been there. You know, and, and and you can flip it. You can take it away from me and kids and into money. I mean, how many times sure. have you heard? Yeah, she didn't do shit. Right. She, she for fifteen years of the marriage, I she asked just, her to get a job. Right. She never would. Right. I and now, why my, am I having to right. pay alimony? You right. Know, yeah. It, you can flip it, right? right yeah. Oh, sure. The, yeah, but the bo- I th- I just think that the boxes, fair or not, I think they're there. I think oh, they yeah. exist, and I think yeah. I think there's a lot of those boxes that you desperately cannot afford to be put in. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, what is the wackiest, craziest, funniest, or most bizarre thing you've seen in a courtroom? Oh, jeez. Oh, you know, I, I, I know, I've got but, dementia. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 but something's got to stick out. Oh my God! Were you on the bench the day that uh, that Derek Smith was um, asking the, in a sentencing hearing? Was asking the guy why he thought it was okay to oh yeah to do cocaine, cocaine mm-hmm. while he was out on bond that awaiting was great. sentencing. Uh, poor, this, this guy had had been there had had been through the court system enough times. I He'd mean, been he, there before. Oh yeah, he was he was he was a small time coke dealer. That's what he was, and uh, Derek Smith just a. Uh, 
former judge, but a former prosecutor, and just in his own oh, in his own needling way. Oh, just a <laughs> just a, a dogged prosecutor. Right, I mean, just, just he'd we get were, a bone and just gnaw. Oh, oh, we were at a sentencing hearing, and he knew I was going to drug test the guy. He knew I was, and he asked the question. He goes, "Sir, uh, if the judge took the opportunity right now to drug test you, and you've been out on bond, would you test positive for cocaine?" And the guy goes, "Yeah, man, I test positive." <laughs> and and Derek, with all of his with his complete uh, just just you know gravitas he had, would, well, what do you think the judge is going to think about that? You've been out on bond, and here you are engaging in in an illegal activity. And the the guy goes, "It's what I do, man." I, I'm a grown ass man. She is. She is. I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, Derek, you could see the little wisp of smoke right. coming out of his ears. I'm dying. I think it's the best line I've right. ever heard. The guy's going to prison. Yeah, he, he knows. knows he knows. Uh, what, you know, why what did you not? expect him to do? Yeah. It's harder to get cocaine but in I, prison. I will tell you, I have, uh, I have told my. Wife, when she's asking why I'm eating another pork chop, I'm a grown ass man. I've told many people, I'm a grown ass man. She it, <laughs> she it, <laughs> a grown ass man. <laughs> Others, you want to tell any of the things we've been through? Uh, oh, our, well, I mean, our classic story is the deposition. <laughs> it's the deposition story. That's the best. Was that Rose? Yes, Rose. At, it was a, was it a divorce case? Yes, it was a divorce case. We were sitting in the conference room having a deposition. The woman was, was certifiably not answer, nuts. Certifiably nuts. Was not answering a thing. Rose, Rose's client was Rose had right, the wife in the case. Right, and Rose started answering the questions for her client. And I was deposing Rose at a certain right. point. Because I, remember, I, was okay, more, I remember that part. I was getting more information. Right. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't mean to run your tape with a cough. Uh, I right. was getting more information from Rose right. than I was her client. So, right. hell, I was deposing Rose. And every time Rose would say something, she would... It was, But what, wasn't Rose taking our client's deposition when this yes. next thing happened? Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Rose, so we flip it around and Rose starts taking our client's deposition. And that's when... Every this time she'd say something, the Rose's clot would pull Rose down beneath the co- conference room table and whisper, uh, and, you know, and and we could hear every word they were saying. <laughs> and it's, at one point, you leaned under the table. She would she would pull Rose down and she would go, "He's lying. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a lie." I think I and I finally leaned under the table with him and said. We can hear you. No, you even did better than that. You leaned under the table and kind of waved at him and went, we could hear you. <laughs> it, was, it was great. <laughs> I, don't, I wonder if Rose remembers that. That was not the kind of case that Rose really likes. Oh, no, no, no. And, she, uh, and Rose, uh, going back to previous client control, Rose really very rarely suffers from that problem. Right. But she did not have a handle on that one. So no, that one was there was too, no, yeah, that, yeah. that woman... As I recall her, the most obvious clue that she was completely crazy was the incessant teeth grinding. She sat there and grimaced I, and and did that, you know, I like... I don't remember that until you said that, but you're exactly right. right. She sat there and, like, her face would, would wince and she'd grind her teeth and just... You could just look at her and know, wow, okay, something's going uh, on over there. Like, that's that's not okay. Um. One more story. I don't know how long you want to make this. I don't care. One more story. Um, 
young public defender. I've been practicing at that point for three or four years. You're the young public defender. I'm the young okay. public defender. And, uh, and uh, it was up in Stewart County. Uh, best buddy, my best friend at the time was prosecuting the case. And uh, uh, we had had this trial of the string of burglaries. And uh, they, they, had, they had brought in a whole bunch of stuff that they had found at my client's home with a search warrant. But it wasn't, it was just like a gold necklace or, a, or just nondescript items. It was just general items. Something with like a serial number or a, right. a, 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 an autograph on it. Or so anything. they were having a hard time tagging my client with it. I mean, right. you know, so I had driven around with his jewelry box in my car for two days and, uh, and was, it was ready to make this big production in front of the jury. <laughs> and I took the jewelry box up to the sheriff. And I said, Sheriff, just pull some stuff out of that jewelry box and tell me you know, is there anything? And I pulled it one thing, a necklace. Can you say that this was stolen, that this is illegal? And I pulled something else. And finally, with all the drama I could muster in front of the jury, is there anything in that jewelry box? And he pulls out this little vial with this little white rock in it. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I think I know what this is. <laughs> I immediately asked for a jury out. <laughs> Jury for, marches you out. You forgot to find the cocaine. Jury marches out. Uh, judge Birch was the judge. If you ever had him, great. Judge Bob Birch was the judge. Jake, my best friend, looks uh, look, uh, looks at the judge and goes, "Judge, I think we might need to amend the indictment to have this man indicted for uh, possession of cocaine." And Judge Birch looked at the DA and said. Well, Mr. Bill's the one that's been in possession for it for the <laughs> Mr. past two days. <laughs> Mr. Bill's the one that brought the cocaine to the, the courthouse. The trial was going really, really, really not well at that point. <laughs> they ultimately found him not guilty. I'm going to throw that in. But, uh, yeah, it was In spite poorly. of the fact that his lawyer uh, uh, hung him out to dry. Basically introduced. The, the felony cocaine into the <laughs> burglary trial. You know, some things work, some things don't. Right, like that's shot. quite a risk that you took there. Well, you know. Yeah, show them, yeah, it's like a magician. Show them the shiny thing, right? <laughs> I was young. I was tried. Okay. <laughs> well, oh. anything else you want to talk about? Oh, tons. Tons of stuff. How are you handling the, uh, the, the, this, this ongoing, as we record this in mid-July 2020, uh, this, this, this COVID uh, pandemic that, that seems to be coming and going and coming and, and changing the landscape, not only for all people, but particular for lawyers, I guess, um, in, a, in unique ways. How are you handling all that? It's making me nervous that we're getting into the habit of having video hearings and video mediations. As convenient as they are, uh, I'm worried that it doesn't have... A mediation is not as successful over video. How many have you done? How many have you done by Zoom or uh, mediations? Yeah. Um, at least a half dozen, if not ten. And do you think that the do you think that the process was undermined by the fact that it was done remotely and by video? Yeah, and and the stats don't the stats don't work on that because they. I, I think all those mediations, maybe one or two exceptions, was successful. But did it did it like? Did it delay things? Did it make it hard? It was just, it a technology problem or was it a human connection? It problem? was a human connection. I think it's too easy for people to uh, not to shut down and not right, engage. Not engage if they're sitting on the couch in their living room 
and there's no and they can turn they can literally no turn pressure. it off and say let me know when you need me yeah as yeah. opposed to being physically invested in the premises right. and the process and when 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 I'm looking at someone across the table you know I want to be able to to read their expressions read their body language right to, to see you know if I say something if they wince and uh, that's hard so that's the, hard. so We'll do it if we have to, but you're like if all other things being equal, you think it's le- it's less likely to be a successful or efficient process. I do, a successful process, and again, I, I, it's so convenient. And and and, it's I, not, and what you're talking about is not because like somebody's Zoom internet no. blew up. It was because there was not a connect. There was not a human connection to That's to resolve this tragic problem. That's it. Okay, that's it. Well, it's uh, the reason I think that's. I mean, it's particularly interesting to me because I'm involved in the thing too. But it's timely for me because I just had a I just had a, um, a conversation with a client yesterday, who he's tested positive, he's quarantined. We're supposed to mediate in, in the immediate future. The um, no one is will, you know obviously he's not suggesting he's he said well we'll just do it by Zoom and the other side is refusing to do it by by remote. And I told him, I can't make them do it that way without a court ordering that we do it that way. And I'll go ask the judge to order that we do it that way. But I can't do that. I can't get that order by Monday. But I also think that this this case is going to be hard to settle. Yeah. And if we're in different rooms and we're not engaged that way, it, it may be impossible to settle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you. As a mediator, it's more convenient for me to sit in my office right. and look at a computer and screen. And not have to handle your yeah, gu- go not back have to and handle forth. guests. And- yeah, but uh, but I just I, and and in some cases where a litigant's out of town or you know if they're sick or or whatever, it's not, it's not doomed to the process. But it's not. You're just, just finding it not. It, it is not doomed to the process, and I think statistically. The cases still settle at a pr- at pretty much the same statistical rate. I just don't think, I just don't think it's easier in the long run. So it's know. it's it's seemingly and superficially more convenient, but maybe not conducive to uh, an expedient actual connection and because re- when, when yeah. I and I haven't done nearly the number of mediations that you have done as a mediator, but when I have been a mediator, I always try right off the bat to not only establish a connection with the with the people but also to try to serve as kind of like the the bridge between the people for example whenever i've mediated in particular a divorce case i'll i'll let them tell me their story right, right. you just have to do that you well that's to, cathartic you, you, you have you to sit it. there you have to they've come to tell their story mm-hmm. okay tell me the story um but when they when they when they've kind of like worn themselves out telling me their story I always ask them, tell me something nice about your oh, husband. That's interesting. Tell me, something, tell me something nice about your wife that I could share with her at the right moment. That's all judge's trick. I don't do that. That's, right? that's interesting. So, um, and it disarms people completely, right? Because a lot of them have a ready answer, right? They're like, shitty wife, great, great mom. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Uh, or, um, you know, I had one guy tell me she's... She's fantastically organized, and it makes everyone's life around her so much simpler. Because hmm. we have three children, and she's got this calendar and got this method, and 
the wheels would fall off if she didn't do that. She's yeah. so good at that. So, you know, I'm going through this process, and it, and, you know, and I don't just run in the other room and say, you know what he said? <laughs> I wait for this moment where they're like maybe wound up on what's wrong with the other side, and they go, that's interesting you say that. You know what he said about you? Of course, they know I've asked them. Yeah, you know, same thing. Same thing, but. So the timely use of the answer. That's interesting. Again, that's an old judge's trick. You yeah. know, that's an old... You know, custody question. Old custody question. That I, right. I haven't used that in mediation before. Yeah. So I say that because I do think that some of the things that we do don't at least yet lend themselves to doing it vi- virtually, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you just want to run a sales team meeting where right. people are making reports and telling you how many contacts they've made and how many widgets they need shipped to where, okay, fine. But what we're doing is is really often deconstructing a family yeah. and sorting out grievances that are longstanding. And that's that doesn't necessarily happen very well when you're all in different places. Uh, and, Agreed. And so. It's the same thing as court. If you've got a, a Zoom meeting where just the two lawyers are yeah. arguing to the judge, Whatever, great. Right. But if you're going to hear from the from the clients about contested issues, you typically right. right. You if typically, everybody's just putting in credit card oh, receipts, right. I don't think that's a big deal. But if you typically want those clients to understand the importance of sitting in the hot seat, I mean, you you want them to understand that this is that this is a big deal. Yeah, I think it's going to be an ongoing challenge because I'm not convinced that we're going back to the way it was anytime soon. Oh, I see it. Yeah, I see us doing the, the same thing. I, I think people are getting And I also think we shouldn't. I don't even aspire to go back to the way it was. I mean, for example, I told Judge Johnson the other day after a hearing, um, if I were, if you know, like, here's what I would tell the presiding judge if she were willing to listen. Um, lawyers and clients, lawyers, most lawyers I know prefer, and many clients are increasingly like almost insisting, like, don't make me pay my lawyer at nine o'clock for however long that we sit around waiting to be told, okay, it's your 15 minutes, right? Like slot us in and pull us into a Zoom room at 1030 and tell us we have 30 minutes. Even if you have to rearrange us because something goes long. Right. I just don't, but whatever we do, don't make us sit through a virtual yeah. docket call like that is that I just I don't ever want to go back to the to the practice virtually or in person where we all show up at nine and 45 minutes later everyone's been everyone has said I'm here and then we start doing things in reverse order of how long it takes and everyone lied about how long it's going to take <laughs> like I'm prepared to file motions that say I need 15 minutes and if you hang up on me in 15 minutes, I get it. Like, okay, you know. Uh, so just, like, I would like to see us deal with things that don't require credibility assessments of witnesses and don't require, like, that, that level of human yeah. connection. If it's discovery disputes or motions to set or, or just, like, things that are, are, are easily done without that human connection or credibility moment, um, just, just tell us... Log in at nine thirty. Log in at ten forty-five. Log, and you're going to get thirty minutes, and then and then you're done. And I'm moving on. Um, I can I can deal with that. Now you know me. 
not a big fan of change. You know, change. <laughs> you are change a and, I, and and I, and I'm the guy ready to throw a hand grenade in and blow I know. it up. I, you know, I'm I'm still adjusting to this computer thing. So. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's kind of funny because like I, I've that, part of my question to you about how you've been managing this is, um, can you run a Zoom meeting? I can't. I can't run a Zoom meeting. Okay, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, I've, I've gotten good at that. So good, good for you. I'm, um, the only I've got a cough again. <coughs> Edit that out. Um, the only thing value about showing up at court for docket call, though, the one thing I don't want to minimize is sometimes all the lawyers are busy. All the lawyers right, and are it's the only time you're going to see them. Is the only time you're going to be able to see that lawyer and say, "Hey, I need. Hey, talk hey where are we? Case. Yeah, where are we on that that evalu- that that appraisal? I where, missed that. Yeah, that's true. Like." Um, I think that's true. Like being able to go to the courthouse and see, because there's what? There's 30 of us that do yeah. domestic relations yeah. stuff all the time in Franklin. I don't know, maybe 40, maybe yeah. 20. I, but I mean, we all know who each other mm-hmm. are, right? Like how often do you get a divorce case in Franklin where the other side is a lawyer you've never met? No, one Not out often. of 20. Yeah. Right. So, yes, it's nice to be able to just run down the row and be like, you're next. Right. Hey, what, you know, you're you're supposed to you're supposed to answer that discovery, or are we going to set this case for trial? We're going to settle it. Or, yeah, who's our? Uh, let's pick a mediator and right, let's yeah. get your calendar. That's out. true. Let's there is a that. certain efficiency to that that doesn't exist. I miss that. Yeah, I've found myself actually willing to like Zoom with lawyers for no reason other than I haven't seen them in a while, and it's like I'll I'll kind of be like, you know, hey, let's let's do this. You know, and you're lonely. You're a lonely, I'm lonely, lonely I, and I'm a people person, as you know. Oh yes, I'm a big people oh, person. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, no, definitely. but I've used it more. I've used it more to like um, be able to show. A, I've used it in lieu of phone calls when there's a reason to show someone a document while we're talking. Yeah, right. Like, hey, I just got that. I just got that document that we needed. Yeah, and I can show it to you. I, you know, I can show it to you. And yes, I've already emailed it to you. But there's something I want to point out to you. That kind of thing. Um. All right. Well. Thanks for doing this. No, it was fun. I, I, this is one of the few conversations I've enjoyed having with you. So this has <laughs> Dude, been great. You realize, of course, that I'm going to edit this, and I'm going to be the one who does the introduction and the outro. And, not, I mean, what do you want me to do with that? That's I expect, how we're going to finish? I expect this podcast to be edited so much that it's going to be about three and a half minutes and it's long. Gonna be, and it's going to be unrecognizable. Yeah, it'll I'm be me paste. saying. Well, what I've deliberately done today is cause you to say about 80% of the words that are most commonly used in the English language. And now I can splice it up and make you say anything That is great. Yeah. That is, that is it might great. take a while, but it's going to be worth it. That's, that's outstanding. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Yep. My thanks to my friend Robbie for doing this interview with me. You know, there aren't enough guys out there like Robbie. The practice of law would be better if there were more. Um, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I had a good time. Hope you had a good time. If you like what I'm doing, click the like, the subscribe, follow me on the social media. If you want to be a guest, uh, call me up and make your pitch. Um, Until next time, this is Dana McClendon. This has been Ready for Trial. Thanks for listening.